freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode 122 of Gun Freedom Radio where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today is, what do you know about that? How do we know what we know, and how do we know if there's any truth in our knowledge? The 21st century is referred to as the age of information, but instead of it causing us to be brilliant beyond measure, I think it's actually made us more confused. It seems that we live in the age of misinformation and all the knotted up ball of hype and ads and clickbait articles. We can't seem to find the thread that will lead us to actual, factual, well-researched truth. It's possibly time to get back to our basics and look backward in order to move forward. If we reacquaint ourselves with what is real and true by reading as many old books as we can get our hands on and visiting as many museums as we can get to, you, when you do it, will be studying what truly was and is so that when fakes cross your path and counterfeit realities are offered to you, you will be able to see them for the flim-flam that they really are. And in doing so, you will become wise and empowered and not easily led down the rights restrictors rabbit hole of ridiculousness. And you will be a valuable source of knowledge when others ask, so what do you know about that? Well, our next guest is Rachel Malone. She is the founder at Texas Firearms Freedom, former director of op- operations at Republican Party of Texas, and currently Texas Director of Gun Owners of America. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's fantastic to talk to you. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. So I've been, we had you on uh, a while back, but it's been a long time back. And when I realized how, right, how long it'd been, I'm like, what am I thinking? Because you've got a lot going on there in Texas. A lot of times people think, well, Texas is a safe uh, you know, for our constitutional rights, you know, Arizona's doing pretty good. You know, they're they're kind of the the front guard of those things, but that's mm-hmm. not necessarily true in all places in Texas. Um, and I I just think it's important to to touch with uh, you know check in with the people that are kind of on the front lines in those areas. So um, absolutely. So you, just for real briefly, I said you were the former director of operations at the Republican Party of Texas. And correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but it seemed to me that that maybe they weren't 100% comfortable with how supportive you were of Second Amendment uh, issues. Right. So I would I would defer to the Republican Party if they would like to give an official statement on the reason <laughs> for firing. But but what I uh, was was told was um, 
that uh, elected officials were not happy with um, my opinions on proposals that were coming up. That is so interesting and why it's so important. And we say this on this show a lot. We can't just put our blinders on and just go into the voting booth and check every R, right? And ignore every other, you know, the D or Libertarian or whoever else is on there. We really have to be engaged and we have to know who is going to represent, because that's what we're doing. We're hiring somebody to represent us with our votes, right? So who, right, exactly. Yes. So, and so something that I'm passionate about in, in elections and in voting, and especially when it comes to endorsement, if people know um, that well, our elected officials will do what they need to do in order to get elected to, you know, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So if they know that you will like that enough voters will turn out and elect them if they just run on a Republican ticket, that's all they have to do. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to worry about how they act. But if they know that voters are watching and voters care about how they are voting on legislation, you know what? That's going to affect how they act when they're in office. And we've got to be those watchdogs. We have to hold them accountable, let them know we're watching, give them that support so they know we've got their backs and they do the right thing. But we're also watching to make sure they don't turn down the wrong path. Oh, amen. Couldn't have said it better. So you have a new position. You are the Texas Director of Gun Owners of America. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm about three weeks into the job, I think, if I counted right. So I'm doing the things in Texas that I've been trying to do as a volunteer on the side self-funding for years. So this is really like a dream come true. I'm responsible for working for constitutional carry and ending gun-free zones in Texas. And, of course, doing that the same way I've been doing activism. It's not going to be just me at the Capitol. I'm not going to just say, you know, let me go. I got this. Mm -hmm. Everybody else can stay home. What I'm going to say is I need everyone else showing up with me. Mm -hmm. I will write up the talking points and and put out the information and do the conference calls so everybody can be ready. And I'll pass out the stickers. And, of course, I'm going to be there and show up. And, of course, I'm going to develop the relationships and, you know, work with our elected officials to try to get good bills moving through. But at the end of the day, really, I'm going to be working to empower the grassroots so they can show up when it matters the most and make their voice heard. That is so important. And, you know, on the conservative side, politically conservative, we are conservative, right? We're, we're not the rabble rousers. We're not the ones that are going to get 10 of our neighbors to come and march down the street with us and shout and yell and create a ruckus. Uh, we are yeah. more independent-minded and, and more Lone Ranger-minded. And so... We are passionate, we are powerful, we are opinionated, we are educated, uh, but, but we appear to be quiet compared to the other side. And so it is so important to have uh, people like you who are not only willing to do the work, but are challenging others to step up and get in the game and be as vocal and visible as we possibly can uh, because right. that's the the tactic that seems to be working right now on the other side. Right. So, I mean, we, we always say, right, an armed society is a polite society. And I, every single one of my legislative trainings, when I'm talking about how to testify or how to interact with legislators, I talk about being a courteous witness, right? Being professional, having a professional demeanor and being courteous. 
But at the same time, I always stress that does not mean we back down on what we believe. It does not mean we go in there and say, oh, you don't want to do this? Okay, that's fine. We're okay with you, you know, enacting some gun control. No, we, we don't do that. We say, oh, you want to enact gun control? Well, you know what? That's not okay, and I'm going to rally people to vote against you and get you out of office. Mm-hmm. Or we say, you know, we put the word out. Um, and it's not, I don't believe in personal attacks. You know, so-and-so is an idiot. Mm-hmm. No, what I do believe in, so-and-so refuses to bring up such-and-such bill to pass. Let's all call his office and tell him what we think. Mm-hmm. You know, you make it about the issue. Um, you you don't mince words in putting the truth out. But at the same time, um, you present yourself professionally. And there's an, it's not an either-or. There, you can absolutely m- remain a polite society and get your message across in no uncertain terms. And that's, that's what we need to do. We need to be bold. Um, I was actually speaking to a lunch group today where I just finished, and, and one of the points I made is we don't need to apologize for our stance. The left is Amen. calling for us to be, quote, reasonable. Mm-hmm. That's, and they're trying to bring us to the middle because they know we, we don't want to be the crazy people, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't want to see ourselves as that. We do not need to apologize for our stance. Our stance is reasonable because we know it saves lives mm-hmm. and it will save lives. So we don't need to give an inch on that. We don't need to give in to what they're asking for. We still want to be courteous and respectful and realize we're dealing with human beings who are made in the image of God, but at the same time, you don't give an inch. Wow. I, I'm so glad that you phrased that exactly the way that you did, because we have allowed um, the, the other side, the, the ones that want to take our rights, our, the rights restrictors, to frame the narrative. Like, I just heard yes. the other day uh, one of the politicians is trying to take... Gosh, I can't even remember what the phrase is. This isn't even about gun rights, but they're trying to take a, oh, um, identity politics was Kamala Harris. So she now wants the, the, the words identity politics to kind of be a no, no word. Right. And so if anybody uses it, she's trying to say it's some kind of a denigrating thing against someone else. It's like, oh man, here we go. And they do that all the time. And then the rest of us are trying to play catch up and trying to, you know, say, and it's so hard to untie those knots once they've been presented. And so Uh being bold, uh, so, so important. So, um, you know, you were saying that uh, there, there are gun control measures popping up in Texas. That seems so counterintuitive. You know, Texas right? just seems like, you know, you know, everybody there is, you know, with, no way are you taking my rights under any circumstances. That's the idea that a lot of people have. Mm. But what are well, you battling there? We've got about two minutes left, so... Sure thing, sure thing. So real quick, thankfully we are not in session. So we're not talking about actual bills. We're just fighting the ideas before they come into bills in the spring. One of them is a red flag issue, which is a means of removing people's firearms um, without any probable cause of a crime being committed, much less without any criminal conviction. Obviously, I'm opposed to that. I mean, you don't take a constitutional right and remove it from somebody just because we think that in the future they're going to misuse it. So thankfully, um, people showed up in mass and I was able to represent GOA at the hearing last week. And the result was the committee decided, oh, we're not going to recommend red flag. But that's an important thing. We need to be watching all across the U.S. and we need to be fighting that. Again, don't give an inch. Mm-hmm. 
Amen to that. That is so important. You know, we have to have our due process. We have to to really understand what it means when people are doing these. Oh, but they sound so common sense, right? But what do they? Right. What are the actual results of them? Well, thank you so much. Rachel Malone, she is the current Texas director of Gun Owners of America. I will see you in Chicago for Gun Rights Policy Conference. Yes. And I will see you here in Phoenix in September at the Arizona Citizens Defense League annual dinner. You'll be on our panel, and that's in October. I can't wait. Me too. Super excited. Me too. Take care. Thank you for all you do there in Texas. Thank you, Cheryl. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Rachel Malone. Awesome. Stick around. We have Rob Morse on the other side of these messages. He is multiple things, the host of the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast among them, and he just came from a Faster Saves Lives training. He's going to give us a firsthand perspective of that awesome program. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey, ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are also proud members of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Find out more and check out all of the great content at selfdefenseradio.net. Well, we've been talking today. Our theme is 
Well, what do you know about that? So we're talking to people who they really do know a lot about the things that we brought them on to talk about. And Rob Morse is so many things, right? He's the host of the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast, co-host of Polite Society podcast. He blogs at Slow Facts blog. He appears, uh, those articles appear on Ameland and Clash Daily. But the reason I wanted to talk to Rob today is because of something that you've heard us talk about several times recently on the show. Faster Saves Lives. Right? That is an amazing program where teachers and staff of, of schools and administrators are being trained not only for an emergency response, but also emergency medical procedures. Well, Rob just took the training, and he is here to give us a firsthand perspective of that program. Welcome to the show, Rob. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, Dan, did she let you talk today? No, she's not going to let me talk. She's got that look at me that, right that's now. That's enough, Dan. That's enough. They cut my, <laughs> my, my, cut, they, my, they cut my mic off. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know us too well. You know us way too well. Oh, my goodness. So tell us about how did you, did you get invited to Faster? Like, how did that come about? I've, I've been familiar with Faster since it started five years ago. It started right after the attacks in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. And it turns out that Ohio has this wonderful coincidence of expertise that's, u- that's absolutely unique. The training, the training cadre, a group of people who looked at law enforcement incidents all across the United States, perhaps even around the world, were training SWAT officers. They said what works, what doesn't. They also looked at what school resource officers needed. In fact, they set the curriculum Mm -hmm. for the entire United States for school resource officers. Mm. People went to them after Sandy Hook and said, gosh, how do we fix this? They said, oh, let me see. Oh, we can't. A school resource officer isn't the tool we need. And, And they looked back at the murders in Columbine High School and said, we can't get there from here, nor can SWAT cops. What we need are armed first responders in the school because time is Mm. what we don't have. Mm. The immediacy of danger, right? Yes. The immediacy. So that's why it's in Ohio. (laughs) And since I followed them, I'd been, like you, curious, studying them. And I was writing about them, and they said, come take the class. I took my first class, I think, two, two and a half years ago. Because they said, as soon as we train a teacher, any, any school staff member, they become anonymous. Mm-hmm. They can't talk about it. One of the fir- first rules of FASTER is you can't talk about FASTER because mm-hmm. no teacher wants to be known as the person in school who has a gun. That makes them a target, not a defender. Mm-hmm. So when you took the training a couple of years ago and then you just recently took the training, were they, were they different layers of training or was it something you Ab- went back and repeated? Absolutely. They're different, different layers, if you will. The program used to take concealed carriers. And remember, in, it varies by state, but in Ohio, the local sheriffs were the issuing authority for concealed carry permits. After these attacks on schools, some school boards went to their sheriffs because they may have had school
school resource officers in the school already, and they said, we need help. What can you do? Mm-hmm. And some sheriffs went, well, gosh, you have concealed carriers on your staff. They just can't carry <laughs> in school. So they provided the handshake, the introduction, the blind date from both sides, if you will. Mm-hmm. The first class that they took, because remember, these people had been carrying for years, was to first verify they could safely present like a, uh, from a holster, which mm-hmm. is beyond what you learn in concealed carry. Mm-hmm. Then they said, this is how you defend your school. Mm-hmm. After they've been doing it for a first year, a couple of years, there's a follow-on class called Faster Level 2. That's what I just took. Gotcha. And it's, I mean, it's one thing to think about uh, what it might be like. Uh, it's another thing to put yourself in those scenarios. What would you say is kind of your the most, kind of like the light bulb moment you had in the middle of, of that training? Because one thing that people want to say is, well, teachers, you know, all they know is teacher things. And, you know, they're, they're pretty one-dimensional, and they really can't handle this, um, you know, uh, this other thing called defending their own life and the lives of those around them. Um, and, and I, you know, I tend to disagree with that, but I've done a certain amount of training. And now you're in this very specialized training. What, what do you say about that whole thing? I spoke with some of the teachers after the class, and they said they think the biggest handicap that the program faces is our distorted memory. Mm. You and I remember uh, our teachers from when we were six or seven. Mm -hmm. It may come as a surprise, but those are adults. They have families. They yell at their kids (laughs) when they're at home. They have the full range of human responses. Mm -hmm. So over a beer, the guy, the teacher's talking to me, goes, come on, grow up. Beyond that, the, the light bulb moment was when we were going through a shoot house. Mm-hmm. These are places where uh, it's a specialty, specially designed building that will stop a bullet inside. Bullets don't bounce around. And you can shoot at paper bad guys mm-hmm. while you defend paper students. Mm-hmm. But it lets you move through space and, and see how you can how you should move with a gun. And a young teacher from Ohio came out of there, and she was so upset with herself. She said, I missed on my first shot. Mm. Well, the split second between the first shot and her second shot might have been the difference between stopping an attacker immediately mm-hmm. and letting one of her students be hurt. Yes. She was beating herself up. They take this so seriously. You and I have seen the love that our teachers have for our students. Mm-hmm. It's the same love we feel for our neighbors' children. Mm-hmm. Why would we pretend that teachers wouldn't feel that? So true. And then the the piece of this training that I think takes a kind of a secondary, uh, like kind of a backseat when people are thinking and talking about what can we do to keep our schools safer is the the trauma medicine portion but that is as important as valuable as even the you know the active um defense i would think you're you're absolutely right and the reason for that which which if you haven't studied it you you might not be aware of 
you and I think, oh, the shooting was stopped in a minute. But it may take an hour before the police secure the scene and allow EMTs on site to treat the injured. Mm -hmm. It was uh, in Sandy Hook, which had a phenomenal police response. It was 45 minutes. In Parkland, it pushed toward an hour. Mm-hmm. Even a very survivable wound, if untreated for an hour, could be fatal. Mm. So we have to stop the bleeding, make sure people are bleeding. And if you've got a walking wound, get you outside once the scene is secure. We want to get you outside so that EMTs can get to you in a hurry. Absolutely. And you're not training people to be brain surgeons, right? You're training them, <laughs> right? I think it's, what do they call it, the TCCC? Um, medical right. emergency training? Yes, tactical combat casualty care. We learned so much from the military. You, if we can get an injured person alive to the EMTs, they've got a tremendous chance of surviving. But if we let them drop, you know, two quarts of blood on the classroom floor because mm-hmm. there was nobody there putting pressure on a wound, mm-hmm. wow, now it gets dicey. It's not complex, but it is urgent. Absolutely. And so this is a, a multi-layered uh, program where they're, they're teaching, I'm, I would imagine, you tell me if I'm wrong, you're increasing your situational awareness, you're increasing um, the, um, just, how do I want to phrase that? You know, if bad guys have the idea that they're going to be able to walk onto a campus and have, you know, either no resistance or maybe one guy that's already got a uniform on and they can easily identify, that's that's going to uh, deter them maybe in certain ways. But then if you have multiple people on there on campus right. and nobody really knows exactly who it is, doesn't that right there create a huge deterrent? It, it does. It, it does a couple of things. You're right. It's a, it's a deterrent because no one knows which classroom is protected. On top of that, these staff members aren't alone. If we just trained them once and turned them loose for a couple of years, we'd see their training fade with time. Mm-hmm. But because they're there together, oh, after an assembly, they walk together through the hall and go, do you notice that this is a, is a choke point, this door right here? Mm. If we can control that, we could separate this. They learned that the small, little important details of their school mm-hmm. that help them protect it. They know that school like an old king would know his castle. Mm-hmm. And they learn how to protect the students inside. And they also know the students that, you know, hey, did you notice that so-and-so, he's been acting a little different lately? Did you notice such-and-such is, uh, you know, she's been aggressive lately? You know, they, they are able to share information I think in a different way with that that situational awareness piece um, than than just the average uh, staff would without that training. You're absolutely right. They're sensitized to the issue. Administrators in school have so many issues to contend with. And here you have some what really become local experts, and they go, hey, we're hearing these things on social media. Are we, we should follow through. Are we, we said we would follow through in our school safety plan. Are we doing what we said? So they're both the, the physical guardians and the intellectual guardians of this, mm. 
uh, information, and they tend to keep the schools honest and doing what they should. I love it. Well, we've got to run, but Rob, thank you so much for all that you do, and you've invested yourself by going through this training, not once, but twice, and then you have delineated that information through your blog, your Slow Facts blog. You've got so many different articles uh, from the different angles of this training. Um, it, it has to be making an, making an impact on people's uh, minds and, and heart set and mindset about how do we keep our kids safer in the future, and I just appreciate that. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Cheryl. Take care, Dan. You too. We'll see you in Chicago. See you there. All right. Bye-bye. Stick around. We still have Don McDowell. Don is the host of Shake, Rattle, and Troll Radio, and he has just gotten syndicated, so we're excited about that. He's a professional bass angler. He is a member of the United States Coast Guard. He's a hunting enthusiast. Stick around. Very interesting guy. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun for Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are glad you're here with us today, and if you have missed any portion of today's show, please go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content. All 121 other episodes that we have posted there. And when you want to put a face to a voice, click the Guest tab. You will find uh, photos and bios and links to uh, all of the guests that we've ever had on the show. Uh, Articles they've written, uh, TV shows they've done, books written about them. Uh, It's just an amazing resource, and we don't hate it when you spend some time there. Well, our guest that's waiting in the wings now is Don McDowell. He is the host of Shake, Rattle, and Troll Radio for 17 years and running. He is a professional bass angler, a saltwater charter master, a member of the United States Coast Guard, and a hunting enthusiast. 
and he had some big news recently. Don, you have just been syndicated, right? Hey, good morning. Yeah, Cheryl. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, we got syndicated. Uh, we had our first uh, national show on uh, July 29th. We're in 36 states, 103 Markets. plus or minus stations. It may be 105, but anyway, yeah, we're coast to coast now. So pretty awesome well congratulations that is huge and you know it's not only are you a great source of information on fishing and hunting and conservation issues and and thank you for your service in the coast guard by the way but it's it is so important to keep that information out there and energized um, and accessible to people because, you know, I've been hearing over the last couple of years that a lot of our hunters and maybe anglers, they're starting to kind of, you know, get up there in years and they're aging out. You know, you can only traipse around in the wilderness up until about the time that you're maybe 75 or so. And then you kind of go, mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe not so much. Yeah, anymore. you know, that's, um, you know, that, that's pretty much the national trend of, uh, as you know, hunting and shooting sports are uh, on a decline nationally uh, on retention and recruiting. So is angling, and uh, we're doing what we can, uh, you know, to keep the guys that used to hunt and fish, uh, get the families involved, get the kids involved, um, you know, get them off the couch, get them off the video games and off the damn phones. <laughs> and I just, uh, this past week, I was reading an article uh, back east, you can hire a tutor your child for $20 an hour to teach him to play better video games. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of where our society is headed. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very unfortunate. So, you know, yeah. out of my five grandkids, I've got uh, four that are outdoors. Uh, one that used to be, but now he's glued to his uh, video phone. And uh, trust me, we're going to have a chat this weekend. <laughs> so. I love that. And more grandmas and grandpas need to be impressing upon uh, the parents and the grandkids that, you know, this is important. There are so many life skills that uh, kids can learn when they're just even out on the shooting range. But then you add that extra layer of what hunting's all about and how to, you know, live for, you know, even just a day or two uh, in the wilderness off the grid, right, without your electronic gadget. And, you know, could you harvest your own food? And how do would you do that if you ever needed to do that? We've become so, uh, just so removed from that. Well, their, their idea of harvesting their own food is uh, getting the peanut butter and jelly out of the cupboard. <laughs> so, so Don, what do we do? Do we give them free Wi-Fi when they go hunting or what? <laughs> well, you know, we've got a rule. Uh, the kids come to my house. I've got a big bowl. Uh, all the cell phones go in the bowl. Uh, when they get there, they can have them when they leave. Uh, dinner time, whether we go out uh, to eat or at the house or their house, cell phones go in a bowl. And, nice. you know, we're just kind of trying to control it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, uh, here in San Diego, and the uh, the fishing count is way up. And we've got, uh, uh, on the 16th, we've got a, uh, uh, a Shelter Island Kids Derby. Uh, the kids come out and, you know, they get to fish free for a day. They get the families out. You know, it's a big deal. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if, uh, you know, folks like you and I, you know, we getting the word out there and the opportunities and, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, a bunch of this stuff has little or no cost to it. Uh, the ADA, as an example, Arizona Deer Association uh, has a combined uh, deer and elk youth camp in October. Mm-hmm. We served all, last year. We served over 900 meals, and we had a number of folks uh, that bring their kids up. You know, they eat free. We give them mentors. We'll you know we'll pack their game out. We'll uh, do everything but uh, harvest the animal. Yeah, we will clean it and pack it up and do all that for you know we had a number of families that said you know thank you guys for doing this because if you didn't do this we wouldn't be able to afford to come out here and camp oh so uh, true you know you you got a family of four and you're feeding three meals a day to in snacks and drinks and all that you know that's it's a big deal so you know we're we're trying to make a difference Absolutely. Well, you know, we just kind of talked a little bit about what some of the individual benefits are to kids and families uh, for going out in nature and and hunting or fishing. But what's the wider reaching and the longer reaching reasons why hunting is so important? Well, we've got an ongoing battle, or at least I do, uh, with with the left-wing Democrats. They want us off the landscape. And uh, as you know, we've been down on the border fighting that issue. Uh, mm-hmm. Arizona's at risk uh, because of the trafficking and the cartel. Mm-hmm. Now the, uh, uh, the, big, the big deal right now uh, that we're fighting with the uh, federal government is the Cabeza Prieta. Uh, all the roads, the roads are closed. It, mm. It's a national monument. Nobody can go. You can't go there. I can't go there. We can't. Nobody goes there except the border patrol. Uh, and of course, the cartel and the human traffickers. Right. Uh, BLM won't let anybody else on there. And we've got an audience with uh, Secretary Zinke at the uh, Department of Interior. And let's just say we're going to see about that. So, <laughs> so what is the reason that they you know, I mean, blocked the road? The, Do you the, know? The, the, yeah, the political ramification of what's coming at us is, is just crazy. Uh, down there, we, we, we just defeated the uh, HSUS. They wanted to come and get a ballot initiative on banning uh, mountain lion harvesting. And, and they added mountain lion, uh, bobcat, which we have, ocelot, already federally protected, jaguar, already federally protected. And they decided to put on the Canadian lynx, which lives in Canada. And if it's here, we need to build a wall on the north side to keep the Canadian lynx out. Hmm. So, you know, I don't know what the hell these people are thinking, but we took them to task and uh, we uh, we had the upper hand this time. But, but they're coming back. Yeah. And... Uh, it just it's just one thing, you know, and the the uh, director of HSUS said we're gonna ban hunting mm. one species in one state at a time. Hmm. And why help and the that, people understand why is that bad? I don't think people understand that hunting is conservation. Well, here's the bo- bottom line is this with the with the uh DR and the PJ money, Dingle Johnson and uh uh if it weren't for hunters and anglers, that's where the conservation money comes from. Mm-hmm. The, the Sierra Club, the Center for Biological Diversity, and all these other left-wing nuts, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to go do what they do. You want to watch birds? Go thank a hunter and an angler for spending the money that we spend that goes to the state. You know, I think I, I could be wrong, but I think we get like $22 million a year that, that goes on the ground from our PR and DJ money. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
just 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 one organization alone in, in the last ten years I think we've ADA we've raised about uh, oh gosh about six million dollars. We just handed them a check on the Arizona Big Game Super Raffle for six hundred and thirty three thousand mm. dollars. That all goes on the ground. And it, that goes for deer elk, you know, all, all the habitat projects. And when we go out and do a waterhole project, we don't put up a sign that says, Oh, deer only. All of God's little creatures drink from it. <laughs> The problem that we're having is BLM's not doing their job. We've got an overabundance of wild horses here, an overabundance of burrows. They hoard water holes and trash, the, you know, to keep everybody else out. So where does it quit? I'm not going to get, live long enough to see any of this to a conclusion. So, you know, I, if somebody wants to take my job, I'd happily give it to them, and I'll just go fishing. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, we do. You make an excellent point. We do need more people that are clued in, paying attention, not just doing what feels good, right, to save the bandies, yeah. but to do what is really, in the long term, what is healthiest for the the um, the wildlife, for our lands, for our future, for our water holes. And, um, you know, hunting is a part of that. You know, it doesn't sound nice, but it it really is an important piece of that. Um, you know, instrumentally on the ground uh, for the herds and and the wildlife themselves to keep them you know cold out that sort of thing. But also in the financial realm, because like you said, every time somebody buys a a, a license to hunt or a license to fish or ammo or a firearm, there is a portion oh, yeah. of those yeah. funds that go to protect. Wildlife, and that is why we say hunting yeah. is con- conservation. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just huge. I'll, I'll give you one other little tidbit. The state that has the highest moose population mm-hmm. is Utah. Okay. Utah. Okay. So what happened to all the Idaho and Wyoming and Montana and, and the rest? What happened to the moose? The gray wolves ate them. Oh, right. and you know everybody. You know, these wingnuts. Oh, we got to have bears and, and wolves on the landscape. Well, they're eating themselves out of house and home. Right is what they're doing. So, without the conservationists and 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 trying to create a balance for all God's creatures, and and, and I get it. There's a place for wolves and yep. bears and all these other things. Yeah. But there's also what happened to Bambi. Oh, <laughs> the wolf ate it. And nobody cares. <laughs> right. But if a hunter goes hunting, then they're they're horrible. But all right, we've got to run. Oh, yeah. But Don, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for keeping the message out there and alive and accessible about how important hunting and angling is and trying to engage that next generation. And congratulations again on being syndicated with your radio show, Shake, Rattle and Troll. Don McDowell. Well, yeah, thank you for the kind words. Uh, pleasure being a guest. We'll look forward to seeing you guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, stick around. We still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's commentary right after this. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. 
Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Old Town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. For straight shooting... Look to the biggest little gun shop in the West, azfirearms.com, where they have everything you need to be a safe and responsible gun owner. Huge selection and a friendly and knowledgeable staff. They're my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. And when you go, tell them old Don Collier sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, this is the part of the show that we get to tell you about everyday heroes in our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report. Fights a never-ending battle for truth justice and the American way. Responsibly armed citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never hear these stories on the network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. Well, I want you to take a moment and just picture a park, a park filled with families and young school children gathered to celebrate the end of summer and the excitement of heading back to school. Parks are often wide open fields that allow for running and games of tag and tossing a frisbee, maybe picking up a soccer game or two. Now add in the horrible vision of danger firing a gun indiscriminately across that wide open space. Where would you run? Where might you hide? Where is the nearest police officer? Is he near enough to take protective action? These must be the thoughts that went through the minds of People on a ordinary sunny Florida day last week as this scene unfolded the parents trying to desperately get their children to safety danger you see is selfish and self-serving danger has no care or compassion for others and danger only responds to the force of equal or greater impact. And thankfully, everyone on this day at this park was kept safe because of one citizen who was able to act in the immediacy of dangers 
rampage, and many, many lives were saved because of the quick and decisive action of a responsibly armed citizen. Florida is making headlines across the country. Police say a man stepped in to protect children when someone opened fire at an anti-violence rally. She called me and said, Mom, come get me. Someone's shot. Tonight at 11, the conversation officers want parents to have with their kids and the nationwide debate the shooting is generating. Police believe the suspect fired off about a dozen shots at Isaac Campbell Park in Titusville in an effort to confront someone he fought with a few weeks ago. Good evening. I'm Martha Sigalski. I'm George Estevez. Families ran for cover until that bystander, with a gun of his own, stepped in. Channel 9's Ken Tindall live now at the park for us at 11 o'clock. And Ken, tonight you spoke with a parent whose daughter was there during that shooting. Yeah, George, and the irony is that shooting happened here Saturday during an anti-violence event. Tonight, the Brevard County Parks and Recreation Service says they hope to finalize plans for counseling services tomorrow morning. The sound of gunfire rang out on Saturday during a back-to-school gathering to discourage violence, sending children running for their lives. After Titusville police say a man fired about a dozen shots here at Isaac Campbell Park, then took off running. A bystander who's now being called a hero stopped the gunman. Stephanie Faison's daughter was at the park Saturday performing at the anti-violence event with her dance team. She called me and said, Mom, come get me. Someone's shot. And I panicked. I mean... Wow. When the bystander confronted the gunman in the parking lot, the shooter drew his gun again, so the bystander shot him twice. She said she heard the gunshots as she was running and everybody was running over each other. Investigators believe the shooter went looking for somebody in the park to confront him about a fight over a basketball game three weeks ago. Police say it's a miracle that no children were hurt. On top of the counseling expected to be offered by the park service, parents have been encouraged to talk to their children. The dance coordinator, she told us to talk to the girls because some of them were saying they were still hearing the gunshots. Now, that bystander will not be facing any criminal charges. He's licensed to carry a concealed firearm. Police have not named that gunman but said he's in critical condition in the hospital. Live in Titusville tonight, Ken Tindall, Channel 9 Eyewitness News. All right, so this story is generating conversation really all over the country, as Martha said at the top here at 11. Earlier today, the National Rifle Association tweeted a link to our web article. The NRA's caption reads, in part, this is another example of a good guy with a gun stopping a bad one. The post has been retweeted nearly 2,000 times. More than 150 people have left comments with a wide range of opinions. What's in your picnic basket? <laughs> That's all I got. I mean... Uh. The you know, jokes. You always got a punchline. Well, you know, I'm really <laughs> upset about this one. That I'm, I'm glad that what happened, you know, they, they he was able to rescue. Can you but, imagine you if know, he it, hadn't have been there? It, you have to dig for that news. It's yeah. just not out there. And it's like, this is a prime example mm -hmm. of somebody using a gun to prevent mass murder. Mm -hmm. And it's the facts. It's there, right there. So why can't we use that as an example in other places like schools, mm -hmm. other things? There is a risk with everything that we do. There is a chance that somebody could go rogue and do something. Mm -hmm. But overall, I would rather be in a room full of armed citizens than a room full of no armed citizens and a man walk in the door with the firearm to be uh, to use uh, in wrong, you know, wrong. So 
Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't have said any better. And, you know, my mind keeps going back to the Faster Saves Lives and the school, you know, how do we protect our schools? Because it's, you know, it's back to school time, right? So, you know, I'm thinking if you do have, you know, people are like, well, that Mr. Smith, he, you know, he, I wouldn't trust him with a gun. Well, that's even, in my mind, that's even more reason why you have people trained with Faster Saves Lives. Because if you do have, if it's a teacher that happens to go off the rails, right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter who it is that goes off the rails. You've got people there in the immediacy of the moment, just like this guy in the park. Right. And let's say, okay, so teachers aren't allowed to have firearms in school. But you get this teacher that gets upset and wants to do something. Mm-hmm. Is that going to stop him from taking a gun to school? Nope. Is that going to change anything? No. no. But That's the thing. if a person has a gun, responsible armed citizen has a gun, there are so many chances that he could stop something from happening. Exactly. So many. Well, and even when I've heard this park story uh, be told on, on different uh, media outlets, it's like what they want to focus on is the fact that it's a back to school event um, and that, you know, there's, you know, the bad guy with the gun. It's like somehow it's lost that the bad guy was stopped immediately by a good guy with the gun. Right. It's like somehow they tell the same story, but that you come away with a completely different um, feeling about it uh, and focus in your in your mind. And uh, I want to celebrate the hero. I want right. to celebrate the good guys and gals that are out there every day uh, being responsibly armed citizens and saving lives. The news should have said there's a, a new hero in Florida today. Mm-hmm. That's what it should have been expressed on. I agree. There was a new hero because he stopped some. He stopped some. And don't even go too far about the guy that was going to do it. Let's don't glorify him. Glorify the hero. Amen. All right. Well, on that note, it is time for Dan's commentary tell you something you already know the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows it's a very mean and nasty place and i don't care how tough you are it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it have you heard the latest about 3d printing oh my gosh there's so much I nonsense out there any, yeah. <laughs> you know this three day <sighs> 3d printing of firearms is uh is getting quite ridiculous First of all, I'd like to start by saying, you know, in America, it's not against the law to build a gun. It never has been. No. You, if you don't have a felony, if you don't uh, break any state or federal laws, can go and make a gun. It doesn't even have to have a serial number. What? What? Doesn't have to have a serial number. But you that's can make madness, a gun. and there's going to be blood in the streets, Dan. Well... They've been doing this since forever. <laughs> it has never been against the law to make a gun. That doesn't matter. Just because I've learned about it makes it madness. Well, you know, the only restriction is if you make a gun, you can't sell it. You can't give it away, mm-hmm. but you can make a gun. Mm-hmm. Now, if you make a gun and then you decide later, I want to get rid of it, you can f- do a Form 1 on it for manufacturing a firearm, put a serial number on it, and then you can sell that gun. Mm-hmm. Can't be in the business without a license, but you can sell a gun or two. So anyway, so with all this 3D, 3D printing stuff, I, I don't get it because we could make guns before. Mm-hmm. And the 3D printing thing started during Obama's campaign. Mm-hmm. And Obama said, 
you guys got to stop that three-day printing stuff because it's international and it affects ITAR rules. Nobody even knows what ITAR is. International trade something, whatever. (laughs) In other words, it's it's regulating uh, military-type weapons out of the United States, going in and out of the United States. And that States. was the issue. Not that was the issue. blood in that, the streets. Because you're taking a plan. Not making right. your own gun. Go ahead. So Because you're making plans that could get to other countries, I I guess what they said. Infringing anyway, on inter, um, international so trade. Yeah. They finally, after uh, thousands of dollars in lawsuits, Cody Wilson was able to win. He's a developer of this 3D printing, by the way. He was able to win a case. And so they told him that he could... Uh, distribute those. Now he was doing this for free. He was just giving information out to people. So then all of a sudden they did a um, they stopped him. The court stopped him from doing it until they can uh, look it over really good. But anyway keep in mind all you people out there that make laws it's not against the law to make a gun right now. Um, It's also against the law to make a gun if it can't be detected by a metal detector at the airport Mm -hmm. and security places Mm -hmm. so that's already illegal Mm -hmm. so anybody that makes a 3d gun make sure you put metal in it and you know Mm -hmm. do that Mm -hmm. that makes it legal um, right and then also you know it's not that easy even with the 3d printer it's not like you push a button you've (laughs) got to have some knowledge you've got to invest some research and time i'm great seeing some great memes out there that it's like you know a huge shotgun sticking out from like an ordinary hp you know inkjet printer or something my favorite (laughs) my favorite is take all the straws that they confiscate from san francisco (laughs) melt it down put it in a 3d printer and make a gun anyway folks this is nothing new Had a customer come in the store just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. He, his friend made a gun, mm-hmm. and uh, he wanted us to check it out. If the gun would have been fired, it would have fell apart. Wow. Yeah, you got to be careful about that stuff. All right, got to wrap up. Until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them. All of them, Dan. Yeah. Even the ones you don't like. Even the ones that don't want like 3D printers. <laughs> especially the ones that don't like our 3D printers um, and that you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here, Did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey gang, this is Masad Ayub from the Pro Arms Podcast. I'm here to remind you that our podcast is a member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. And I'm going to suggest you do what we do and check out the other podcasts at selfdefenseradio.net.